Good morning. I want to greet each one in Christ's precious name. Turn with me to Mark chapter 15. We'll be looking at the common passages that we think of with the resurrection story. But the title of my message this morning, the focus is on the significance of an empty tomb. How can something that is empty point to something that is significant and unusual? When Jesus' body was in the tomb, hope was lost. Once the tomb was empty, hope was renewed. Once the tomb was empty, the Holy Spirit could come. Once the tomb was empty, the church could be born. So let's read verses 42 to 47 of Mark chapter 15. And now when the even was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been a while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock. And rolled a stone under the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph beheld where he was laid. Even though each year we commemorate this time, this what happened to Christ, I know for me, I think it's hard to still fully understand and comprehend what it must have been like. We today, as we have God's Word, we have the Holy Spirit. We have a much greater understanding than what the disciples did. But can you imagine what they were going through at this time of the incredible loss, the incredible disappointment? If you've lost a close loved one, which I have not, but if you've lost a spouse, a child, a parent, A sibling, maybe you can empathize and understand a bit of what they were going through. But yet, Jesus was much more than that. He was not only a close friend, but he was also their spiritual leader. He had been teaching them to know more about God than they had ever been able to learn from their scribes, from the Pharisees, from the rabbis. Each day, each week, each month that they had followed him, they sat at his feet. They had grown in their understanding of who God was. And I believe the, clo- the ones, the close disciples, the women that followed him, as it talks about here in Mark and other of the Gospels, Whether or not they truly, and, I don't, and when we see as they, as they struggled to understand his death, they didn't fully understand the full plan, but yet I believe that they did recognize their need of him and their trusting of him that he could deliver them. 
But now he was dead. What is death? Outside the resurrection, as uh, was talked about in the Sunday school period, death is final. Death is permanent. Death is hopeless. And if any of them started, uh, doubted what had just took, taken place, all they had to do was ask Mary Magdalene or Mary of Joseph to confirm that his body was in the grave, in the tomb. His body was cold. His body was dead. There was no life there anymore. And to kind of prove that point, Luke twenty three forty nine says, And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. They had been there at his crucifixion. And some of them were even there when his body was laid in the tomb. There was no doubt that Jesus was no longer living. The interesting thing, and I think it was brought out Friday night at our Good Friday service, that most of the disciples were not at his trial. Some would argue that none of them were at his crucifixion, although John says that He was the the disciple that Jesus loved. Why is this? Why weren't they standing with Jesus during his time? It doesn't say for sure, but I'm guessing that they feared for their lives. And possibly the reason that only the women stuck it out all the way through the trial, the crucifixion, and then the burial was maybe they figured their lives were not as at risk. But the disciples feared maybe they were next. This wasn't how they had planned it. This wasn't how they foresaw the future. But the women were there. They saw the trial, the beatings, the crucifixion. And so all of them were rightfully afraid. And that fear came from them not understanding. We'll continue on then in Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 14. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Shalomi had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he said to them, Be not affrighted. You see Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. I'm just going to pause there. 
once again, even though the tomb was empty, it still didn't make sense to them. And they were still afraid. Why were they afraid? I don't believe at this point they really truly grasped that he had risen from the dead. And at this point, they still had not met him in his resurrected body. So even though the, the angel or the messenger that told them to go and tell, at first they were afraid to. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what was next. And then verse 9, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. It's amazing that still, there's still not an understanding of what's going on. They had been hiding. They were afraid. I still don't believe that they really understood that the tomb was empty because of the power of the resurrection, but rather they thought they probably thought that he had been moved or his body had been stolen. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked. And it's referring to the two that on the road to Emmaus. And we know that story well. And they went and told it to the residue, but neither believed they them. And afterward he appeared on the leaven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not which had seen him after he was risen. And I'm going to stop there. In our human minds, in our human strength, we would be just as they were there. We would struggle with truly believing. But yet, once they grasped that he had risen, and the tomb was empty, not because of theft or because of trickery, but because of his power, we see a very different group of disciples from there on. Luke 24.12 says, Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher. Stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at the thing which was come to pass. So just as we had just read there in Mark, even though Peter had ran and looked for himself and saw the linen clothes that had been wrapped around the body of Jesus, he still didn't fully understand and fully believe. But what would change these men from men of fear, hiding from the authorities, to bold men willing to die for Christ only a few weeks or months later? And I believe it was the empty tomb and what it signified. That Jesus was not just a prophet, he was not just a rabbi, he was not just a good man. He was so much more. It signified his power over death. And there was no longer a question of whether he truly had the power to forgive sins. There was no longer any doubt whether he 
could raise men from the dead. Turn with me to John chapter 20. Beginning at verse 19. John chapter, 9, uh, John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see him in his hands, the print of the nails, put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Do we truly believe in the empty tomb and in the resurrection? Often this is a struggle for those who are struggling to really fully assure whether they can trust Christ, whether they can follow him, whether they can make him Lord. And so it's not a, it's not a one-time struggle as Thomas had here, but it's something that many, many people struggle with. But do we believe in the empty tomb? And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And I'm going to stop there. We know that Thomas would later go on and give his life for the gospel, for his faith in Christ. And so what took the men from being fearful and hiding to going out and preaching the gospel? It was the very understanding of the resurrection and the power that it showed that Jesus had. Now I'd like to look at a different part of this story, the different area of this. Turn back to Matthew to, with, uh, to chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost... And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and the many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. 
So this morning, as we think of the empty tomb of Jesus, have we ever thought about it, that his tomb wasn't the only empty one? His grave wasn't the only empty one that morning, the morning of resurrection. So who were these saints? How many of them were there? It says that there were many, uh, looking up the Greek word, like a great many, a host. So we don't know if there were hundreds, if there were thousands of these saints that were resurrected the same time when Jesus was. Why was this? Why did God allow this? Where did they go? There's a lot of questions about this. And these are the only verses we have in Scripture surrounding this. But I think as we look at this and what Christ, what God did here, it can give us hope and give us strength. These saints had died not fully understanding how God's plan of salvation would be completed. Their, their understanding was, as you could say, as it talks about being, being behind a veil or being in the shadow, hard to understand. Why did God allow these saints to come forth? I think there was one possible explanation is so that they could see God's completed work here on earth. But I also think that greater than that was to show that the potential and why, why where, the resurrection power would not end with just resurrecting Christ. The whole point of the resurrection was so that mankind could also be raised from the dead if we believed and if we followed God. I believe that God used that the fact that these saints came back from the dead, and it says they went to the people in Jerusalem. Doesn't really say what they did, but they just they appeared to many in Jerusalem. Did the people of Jerusalem tell the saints what had happened in the previous days, or did the saints witness to those? In Jerusalem, and I think it was some of both. But it showed that death no longer has power over us. Unless we are raptured, we almost die, but it isn't permanent. As I mentioned at the beginning of the message, death is permanent. It was before Christ's resurrection. There's life after death because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of his resurrection. I had to think of the power that death, the, 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 the fear that death brings. We saw that two years ago at the beginning of COVID. It drove many to do a lot of crazy things because of their fear of death. In the 21st century, we have medicine to get us through most viruses and disease. And so we think, well, well, we'll be able to go to the doctor and get something. And that's what, with COVID, it drove many to live in such fear for a while, was that it looked like maybe millions would die in weeks or months. 
And it's something that the world hadn't experienced for a long time. And so we saw the fear that people have of death. It's nothing new. That, de- that fear has been there since man began. And that's what makes the Resurrection Sunday so amazing and so powerful. Is that we no longer have to fear death. I'm going to like to, in closing this morning, I'd like to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, one of my favorite passages. Beginning at verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received. And wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If any, ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also have received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen as Cephas and then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, and of whom the greater part remain unto this present but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me, and also of, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly, then they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul was reminding the church of Corinth of the resurrection and the fact that outside of the resurrection we have no hope. That if the resurrection is not true, there's no point and living the Christian life. And then I'd like to read some more verses in 1 Corinthians 15, where we see that if for Christ's resurrection to have a point, there's, there's there, the, the rest of us must also, the, the power must be there for the rest of believers to be resurrected. Verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God, that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up. If so be, that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, yet ye are yet in your sins." Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, and by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In one way, it would seem that Christ did not need to prove that the dead could rise again. Just 
a few weeks before his own death and resurrection, he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. You could say that's all he needed to prove. But he needed to rise again to make that very thing possible for each one of us. And I think it was so that why, why did he raise all those saints from the dead in, in, in Israel, around Jerusalem? It was to prove to many the power of the resurrection. Only a few hundred probably observed Lazarus' resurrection, but thousands upon thousands in Jerusalem would, would witness the saints raised, being risen from the dead when Jesus was risen. And then I want to read verses 51 through 58. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption shall be put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in the vain of the is not in vain in the Lord. Just as he said at the beginning of the chapter, he brings it around again to say that if not for the resurrection, all our work, our faith, would be in vain. But because of the resurrection, it is not. And before Christ's resurrection, verse 55 was not possible. Before Christ's resurrection, death with death there was a sting. Even for believers, I believe there was a sting. In a sense, the grave had the victory over even believers in God. But with the resurrection, death lost that sting. The grave lost the victory because of Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful today that I can have hope that whether I'm alive when Christ returns or for the, with the rapture or whether, or whether I'm in the grave, I know that we can be, each one of us here can be saved and can be taken to heaven if, we're, if we believe. So just as God brought up the bodies out of the graves at the resurrection of Christ, He will do it again on the day of the rapture. And I'm looking forward to that. And I hope that each one of us never forgets the significance of the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus. And we put our hope and our faith and trust in him. Lord bless each one of you.